0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. We are officially in quarantine with the coronavirus. Yep. And Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was previously kind of making light of it, just going, ah, everyone's freaking out. And then I'm just like, okay, this is real. Mm-hmm. But um, it definitely has not stopped what we're doing. Nope, and uh, this is the perfect time for all of you guys to go binge listen a bunch of our old episodes because mm-hmm. yeah. you you can practice social distancing while still being connected with us. Oh, you don't look have at to that. you don't have to distance yourselves from our voices. Yeah, our uh, the germs are not g- making its way through the the wavelengths of the audio file into your device, so you should be safe. At least I think. I hope. I'm, I don't know. I don't
1: I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not,
0: sci- I'm not a am not a sciencer. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I'm a I'm a man of art, not a man of science. Ooh. So, um but yeah, uh go check out all of our older episodes during this time when you're bored out of your mind and don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Um It'll be a great way to kill the time. And uh, something that we're going to start doing fairly soon is we're going to finally start doing those Volume 2s that I keep talking about. So you're definitely going to want to make sure that you brush up on certain episodes. That way, when those Volume 2s come out, you don't know which ones we're going to do first. Right. So that way you'll be ready. And um, on whatever platform you're listening on... Please hit that subscribe button. It'll let you know when new episodes are available. We're still sk- sticking with our schedule every Monday morning, 9 a.m. Central. We uh, actually record kind of ahead, so even if something goes crazy like they put us on a national-wide lockdown, which everyone keeps saying is going to happen, mm-hmm. we've still got episodes under our belt to yep. be able to just whip whip out there. So you, sh- unless this lasts like a month of us not able to leave our houses, then – you know you might see a lull there, but <laughs> for the time being, everything should be fine, yeah so um and yeah, leave us a review, leave us a comment, uh let us know uh you know what you like, what you would like to see us do, what episodes you would like to see us cover in the future, what bands, and um and then share with it. whoever you think might like a music information slash geeking out podcast, so yep. Uh, and then we've also got social media. We have an Instagram now. Yes. It's
1: at good music Podcast, all one word.
0: Yes. Uh, um, Grant is is going to be our fearless leader, social media-wise.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to figure out Facebook. I don't really understand Facebook. I don't really understand how to get on Facebook yeah. at the moment, but we'll figure that out. So
0: Facebook, that's that's what I grew up with. Like yeah. When I was a freshman in high school, that's when Facebook started getting really big. And so...
1: When, when that's you,
0: that's what I grew up on, and I don't understand this Instagram crap.
1: When you turned over the Instagram page to me, it had like one follower. Yep, and um, that was actually one of the teachers from my high school.
0: That's pretty funny. Yeah,
1: so Mr. McIntosh, thanks for following our yeah. Instagram page. Oh uh,
0: yeah, I've known him. I've known him for almost fifteen years now. No, mm-hmm. small world. He uh, he. We didn't go to school together, but we went to church together, and we worked out at uh, at summer camp every. Year so wow, uh, he's a good friend of mine. And then we he taught at Lincoln for a couple years, the same year that I did before he went to your school. Right. So we've just we've always been around each other and always been good friends. So if you're listening, Mr. Mac, what up? (laughs) But uh, we're gonna start creating um, some kind of regular social media posts to where you should hopefully see something from us every day. So we're kind of still, yeah, well, we're still formatting, we're still kind of getting... We won't overload your feed. We'll probably do something every day, but
1: post yeah. every week.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. And anything <laughs> related as far as if we need to get your attention, like if we have another Doors fiasco, Yeah. Uh, that's where you're going to find, the. that's the best way to be able to um, hear that from us, as well as we're still looking for those comments, uh, we're going to be uh putting some posts and discussions out there our favorite posts we're going to put here on an episode so we're going to encourage you guys please get involved we are starting to get a lot of followers now but we definitely want to get some back and forth we want to talk with you guys this yeah. is going to be the another especially with social distancing this is going to be right. a great way for us to be able to still connect and you know not feel like we're completely alone right. so
1: so There is news in the world. Yes. I'm sure.
0: This one's a bit of a controversial one. This has been a really weird story to follow. Um, Mm -hmm. It involves a journey. And we have a journey episode, so go check that out if you haven't listened to it before. Um, But we've been having this really nasty fight that's just kind of come out of nowhere. Oh. So right now, the band consists of... um, Yeah. Okay. So right now you've got Neil Sean and mm-hmm. Jonathan Kane, who have been there for quite a long time. Neil Sean was the founder of Journey. Him yep. and um uh, uh bassist Ross Valerie. Yep. They've been there since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Then you've got um Steve Smith, who's been with them since the late seventies. Yep. And you've got Jonathan Kane, mm-hmm. their keyboard player that's been with them since the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Over the years, um, Neil Sean and Jonathan Cain have kind of defaulted to being the band leaders. Yeah. Even though Kane is, I would say, well, he's not the newest member of the band because they've, obviously they've got Arnel Panita on vocals. Right. Who has been there since the 2000s. Although he's been with them quite a long time now. Um, but it's, like he's been there longer than say Steve Smith, mm-hmm. who's their drummer, and um, Ross Valerie on bass. Right. But, because he was, like, the main songwriter during their hit-making day, like, you know, he wrote Open Arms and Don't Stop Believing" mm-hmm. and Faithfully mm-hmm. and just all those huge, huge, huge songs for them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of, it's like them and him and Sean have become, like, you know, we're, we're the leaders of the band. Right. And so what the stories have been saying is that Valerie and Smith, have been had tried to stage a coup oh boy to gain control of the band <laughs> to kick Sean and Kane oh out oh
1: my goodness
0: and it's
1: like middle school yeah uh. and i
0: like i'm just so like confounded by this whole thing what because it <laughs> seems so stupid to do especially after right now, oh Steve God. Smith hasn't been with the band in a long time. He's just recently returned. Mm-hmm. I want to say like twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, he was with them from like seventy nine to like eighty six, mm-hmm. and then disappeared for a long time. Came back in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Valerie had been with them since the first album up to um, up to also eighty five. Him and Smith left at the same time. Hmm. And then, I want to say he came back earlier, though. But anyway, so, it's just really weird. So, through this whole process, Sean and Kane fired them. Uh Uh-huh. Because they found out what was going on. Right. And are suing them for $10 million.
1: So, how do you stage a coup?
0: So, so Sean, Kane, and then Steve Perry, their original... Are not original vocalists, but they're classic. They're classic vocalists. Yeah. Vocalist. They three are the ones that hold the the creative power legally. As far uh, as they're the ones that are that have the rights to Journey's name to um, any major creative decisions. Like you know, without their say, no one else in the band can can form a band and claim its Journey. There's like we can only We're the only ones that can do it. We can own, only ones that can distribute under that name, um, advertise under the all anything to do with the journey name. Right belongs to those three. Right, and they were trying to um, vote them out of power with the board that controls the journey brand. Oh, so they were trying to get a majority vote. So there's a whole corporate. Whatever thing about yeah. it now. Oh right? yeah, the whole part of music industry that people don't think about. Oh, so man, they, I don't
1: want to think about it. So that. <laughs> they
0: were trying to get majority vote to to take control legally mm-hmm. over Journey mm-hmm. and oust them as the leaders. And it's like it's Why? so weird. I know. I'm thinking about it's just like what's the point?
1: Yeah, I mean you're in the band. You're you've you, you have the outlet for your, your creativity.
0: You guys are in your 60s. Yeah, that too. It's like you... You guys are not like dumb 20-year-olds that yeah. just like have egos that you can't figure out how to make work together. Right. You guys are old men mm-hmm. and you can't figure this stuff out, which is like making me wonder if like there's something else going on that we don't know about. Right. Because it just all seems so weird that they would get petty like that. And the other thing, and the thing that really confused me, was that Steve Perry was on Smith and Valerie's side. He was one of the ones that voted against Sean and Kane. <laughs> what? Yeah. What? So it's making me think, like, did, did did Sean and Kane, like, do something, like, legit, like, bad, and they're, like, trying to do what they Maybe. think is right, but the way that it's being presented, it's, you know... The rhythm section of the band are traitors and oh, they will never be able to profit from the journey name ever again. I don't know. This is
1: just uh It's bizarre.
0: The whole uh, thing is so bizarre. And I can't I'm
1: really imagine that happening to any band ever.
0: I know. And but it here came out it is. Of, and it came out of nowhere. There was no like reports of them like you know, arguing or being unable to get along. Um, in fact, the only dispute I'd heard in the band was Sean was mad at Kane for, like, talking about Jesus too much on stage. And <laughs> <laughs> said that if Kane keeps doing that, he's just going to quit. And <laughs> Journey's not going to do anything anymore. But that wasn't against that Ross and been Ballard. That
1: could have been the straw that broke the camel's back that sent things tumbling you never know. I yeah. mean, yeah. you don't uh, jo- know.
0: Jonathan Cain's married to a very famous uh, televangelist. And does, like, gospel. We both took a drink at the same time. Yeah, and <laughs> and they and he does, like, gospel side projects that are really, really bad. Oh. But, yeah, <laughs> so the whole the whole situation is just, like, i got to know more. I want to see how this whole story develops, because this is totally going to go to trial.
1: Oh, yeah, $10 million? Oh, yeah.
0: Like... I, unless Ross and Valerie are guilty of sin and they know that there's nothing they can do about it and just like immediately get settled
1: mm-hmm.
0: I just I don't know it's so random and so weird I just don't know what to think of it so if I find out more what's going on I'll kind of uh, I'll fill you guys in but just weird in the meantime go check out our journey episode yeah. You'll know more about the people who we're talking about. So, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this episode. Yes. Okay. Oh man, I'm very excited. I know you're excited. I'm this is re- one of your favorite. This is this yeah. is not a long time favorite. This is kind of a last couple years favorite.
1: Okay, um, for me that's a long time.
0: Eh, yeah, yeah. I mean, liking an artist. See, now I'm <laughs> at the point now to where I've I've had some favorites for almost 15 years. So that's true. Uh, I would, I would. Well, I would say of my of my big four, one of them has been about 15 years, and that's Rush. They're, right. they're the earliest band that I've been listening to. That's in that category. Me too. Um, but anyway, I would say the other ones are in about the 10 year phase. Right. With Pink Floyd being in the last like five to six years. Hmm. But this band, Jane's Addiction, addiction. about two years ago, kind of really got under my radar. I would say probably about the tail end of 2018. Hmm. And and then specifically in 2019, last year, um, I really just started devouring their stuff and just really falling in love with a lot of their music to where now they're they're among my favorite bands. They could fill that ambiguous five spot.
1: Mm. Okay, that's really weird.
0: Yeah, I can. They're a weird band, and it's they a band. Weird. It's a band yeah. that, like, I look at all of the components, and it's like not normally in my things that are among are in my favorites. But there's just something about it that just like sticks with me, mm-hmm. and something about when I listen to it that it's just I have so much fun. Mm-hmm. I have always have a blast listening to Jane's Addiction. Okay. so I can see it. Yeah. So let's talk about who is Jane's Addiction.
1: So who is Jane's Addiction? I'm going to guess four.
0: Yep, there's four guys.
1: There's, there's a drummer, there's a bassist, there's a vocalist, and two guitarists, one of which is the vocalist. No. Okay. Vocalist okay. is just vocalist. So it's there's, just a power four.
0: Yeah, power okay. four. Um so Jane's addiction is the brainchild of Perry Farrell who's the singer and the, uh, I can tell, and yeah. the main <laughs> and the main lyricist as well. So
1: does he do all the singing on the on the record? Like yes. all the harmonies are all uh-huh. him layered?
0: Yeah, okay. it's I I I mean I th- probably in some spots if it's more of a gang thing, but I would say like 90 to 95% of the time it's him layering himself.
1: Mm. And so live is that, like, when they... Like, whenever
0: live? like when I watched live, I didn't recall seeing guys on microphones. Okay. Like, I think it's just him up there. But it huh. could have been, maybe they were, and I just wasn't paying attention. But I'm pretty sure watching the footage that it was just him up there. But, I mean, he's such a powerful, charismatic presence that was just like...
1: Yeah.
0: I'm, anyone, anyone else would have just gotten in the way. Yeah. <laughs> he... He's kind of just he's almost like this not as far as how his vocal sounds, but his presence and his charisma he's it's a he's almost like a dark unhinged Freddie Mercury, yeah, just his he's just this the way that he carries himself, the way he interacts with the crowd, although he is also kind of like a, he's almost like a Jim Morrison as well. He's very poetic. Mm -hmm. He's very, just, he kind of has that, that insane persona Mm -hmm. about him. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons I really love him is just you, (laughs) you hear that like bubbling insanity that's just on the verge of boiling over. And sometimes it does.
1: Yeah. And you can hear that in the lyrics too. It's really dark.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And just, it's almost like in some ways things are really overly simple, but then like their oversimplicity gives it that that almost genius edge to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, just, you know, Perry Farrell kind of like he, the band is him, even though not the credit that the other members don't matter. But like, I always talk about this, like the person that the band starts and ends with them. And it's Perry Mm -hmm. Farrell, Perry Farrell decides Jane's addictions. No more. It's no more. Mm -hmm. There's, there is no band past him, but the other four members of the band, or yep. the other three members of the band, they all contribute incredibly powerful com- uh, ingredients. Same lineup, whole time. Um, Overly- no. No, okay. But it's never increased to a five piece. Mm-hmm. They have had personnel changes, although I want to say right now it's the classic lineup again.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And then um, as far as albums, there's only they've made four albums.
1: Right, and only two are represented.
0: Two, yeah, because yeah. there's, they're really the only two good ones. Ooh.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I'll get into that a little more when I talk right. about their history. Okay. It's kind of complicated, but, um, Perry Farrell has always been in all of them, and then Dave Navarro's always been in them. He's the guitar player. And Dave, oh, I've heard that name. Dave Navarro, he's, he's kind of transcended Jane's Addiction as far as his persona. Mm-hmm. He, um, I think it's Ink Masters is the show that he's on. Maybe because he's a big tattoo guy. He's just one of those. I, I can even pull up a picture for you to see what he looks like. Okay. Um. He's he's pretty recognizable guy. And then he also played in the Red Hot Chili Peppers for a little bit in the mid. That might dudes. have been
1: where I've heard. He's only
0: that. on one album, and then that album was like one of the worst received of their career. Oh man, which is sad because it wasn't. I mean, it was his fault, but right. it wasn't his fault either. He um yeah, that's that's Dave Navarro.
1: Oh my goodness. Okay, that's a that's kinda scary. Yeah. <laughs> I mean they can't see that picture, but I'm sure they'll find it. Yeah. But um Okay, that's not too bad. With the Fedora, he doesn't look like he's a serial killer. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I hate to say that, but like, you know. Yeah. And his his guitar playing is kinda funky. Yeah, which Almost. you which, hear it in these songs. Which
0: makes well. you Wonder why it didn't work with the Red Hot Chili Peppers because they're, a funky, they're kind band. Of funky band. It's yeah. like it's a different kind of funk. It's not the funk that they play. It's not John it's, it's level kind of, of punk.
1: In your funk. face kind it's, of punk.
0: It's it's got a lot of metal in it. He's yeah. he's definitely a very skilled heavy metal guitarist. Right. Like you can hear in his solos that he's a shredder. And he loves to use that wall pedal. Mm. Um and but he's a really great guitar player, right? And he provides one of my favorite elements of the band. Uh, my actual favorite member of the band is their bass player Eric Avery. Oh, okay. The bass is actually usually what hooks me on any particular song that they have. You're gonna hear oh, it throughout these songs, there's a lot of great you're right. bass lines. You're right. Oh, he is, I would say, the most unsophisticated player of the band as far as he's never doing anything terribly complicated, mm-hmm. but everything he does is just so right
1: mm-hmm. and
0: has such great groove. And he's written several, like, I would say half of my top ten favorite bass lines of all time are from him.
1: Mm. Like, I bet one of them is in this list.
0: Several of them are. Oh, okay. Like... Like, I look at, um, you know, you know, Up the Beach, and Mountain Song, and mm-hmm. Summertime Rolls, mm-hmm. and Three Days, and Ted Just Admit It. Uh, <laughs> all of those bass lines are just, like, their choice. Mm. Great bass lines. And so... He's, uh, he's my favorite member of the band, with Perry Farrell being very close, because I love his just madman, unhinged persona.
1: And his vocals are and his vo- super unique.
0: Yo, yeah. No one sounds like him.
1: I mean, I used to sound like that, but without the kind of the vocal edge, yeah. you know?
0: uh-huh. To you said can... it sounded like Vince Neil today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it would be very easy for that vocal sound to be, like, Ms. construed Hughes. as being terrible yeah but he like somehow makes it sound good and it's got to do
1: with like the the energy that he has behind it behind the rest of the instruments that it's just like unapologetically like this is how i sing Mm -hmm. that redeems it yeah and i think for any vocalist that's important
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and then you've got stephen perkins on drums
1: which is probably my favorite person in the band interesting because his his drum grooves are unorthodox.
0: Yes, they are. They very much are. And
1: I, I like when you're able to pull off a very unorthodox drum groove, and it still sounds like you can bop your head and like yeah. dance to it kind of music. Which is I great. would,
0: I would say he's the least fascinating person in the band for me. Not to say that I think he's bad at all. Just like the other three, like stand out to me so much that the mm-hmm. drums and me as a drummer, that's pretty crazy. The drums right. tend to be like one of the last things I focus on in their music. I'm usually always listening to the bass, to the vocals, to the guitar cuz they're always just <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh man, you can't not listen to the These things are so good. And then i was just kind of like, "Oh yeah, the drums. Yeah, that's pretty good." <laughs> I am the other way around. Yeah. Totally the other way around. But yeah, so that's the, the those, that's the the classic lineup. Right. Um in the mid to late 90s,
1: uh it's So, okay. So they started the classic lineup what year? Uh
0: that would be 87. And then the when first, they, and then nothing shocking, the first album came out in '88. And then, and then, um, um, Ritual Delo Habitual mm-hmm. is uh, '90. And then mm-hmm. they broke up on the tour for that album. Oh, like they oh. they burned out quick. Wow. And then they got back together and did like a, a B-sides EP mm. in like '97. Mm -hmm. And Flea actually joined the band, which is funny because Dave Navarro went and helped out Red Hot Chili Peppers, and then Flea came and helped out James Addiction. Mm. And the live concert that I watched was actually the one where Flea was with them. That was really Mm. fun to watch, kind of seeing how Mm -hmm. he added his style of bass to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, that was just a really fun concert to watch. It was an MTV exclusive concert. Mm -hmm. And they were just wild. Um, and then they, and then 2000. I want to say 2003 is when Strays came out. That was like the actual proper follow up to those first two mm-hmm. records. And then uh, the Great Escape artist came out in like 2011.
1: And so those last two were not as good.
0: There's just they're not bad, say. but they just they don't have that magic. They don't have yeah, that. Okay. They don't have that special little that I don't think you can recapture because it was just it was. There's always something about a band that's like hungry and is just like in the throes of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, drugs are bad. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like when you're trying to make it, but at the same time you're like on drugs and you're doing everything and you're just like throwing caution to the wind. Right. That always just transmutes into the music to give it just that extra little something. Kind
1: of like uh, how early Metallica is, yeah, really good in, in, compared to later Metallica, in most people's opinion.
0: Yeah, or you just you know you look at any band that like they really made their best music when they were like drugged out of their Rising. mind, and yeah. then when they got sober, it was just like it's just not the same. Yeah, or yeah. it's just you know too much time has passed; they've gotten too old. Um, you know, maybe mm-hmm. had they kept were able to keep that momentum going, mm-hmm. maybe they could have, but. Even on the second album, on Ritual, you can kind of hear that they were straining, even though the highs on that album are so, so, so high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's also, like, the lows on that album are just kind of like, mm, this isn't very good. Where, like, nothing shocking, that's a perfect record from start to finish. There's mm. not a weak moment on the whole thing. Mm. That album, I, that's becoming one of my favorite albums of all time.
1: Which was their first one, their, uh-huh. their kind of breakout. Yeah,
0: kind of... and they had they technically had a release before that. It was the um, um, it was a demo.
1: I'm it was sure.
0: It was like an EP. It had oh, okay. a lot of early recordings, some live songs. Uh, the only the only song that translated from there to the first album was a song called Jane Says which is one that we would definitely look at when we do a volume two. Okay,
1: so that raises the question about their name. Yes. Who is Jane and what's her
0: addiction? So <laughs> I always used to think that it was just a marijuana reference. Yeah, yeah that's what I was you know, but And I think that that kind of was you know, part of it, but um, uh, Perry Farrell had a roommate named Jane that was like this kind of this reclusive, mysterious, druggie, figure that lived in their house with him and his girlfriend Mm, mm -hmm. and so she was he always said that she was like the muse for the band name Mm, okay and uh she moved out like right when jane's addiction was starting okay but you know they also just thought it's a really provocative name it's you know they they thought of you know something more in your face and direct like the heroin, I think it was like, they were talking like, the heroin kings, or something Mm. along those lines, Mm -hmm. and then they were just like, if we make it Jane's addiction, it's a little more ambiguous, but it's still kind of like, provoking.
1: Yeah, it kind
0: of is. Because it's like, you know that it's drug related, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like, you're not right out there, saying what it is.
1: It's a much more mysterious aspect.
0: Because you could, because you can definitely go, the thing of, it's, you know, it's this person, Jane, what is she addicted to?
1: So, then is that translated to like their lyrics? Like are their lyrics meant to shock you? Oh, yeah. So the, they, the dark lyrics are not from like personal darkness as Oh, but oh, absolutely. But it probably
0: like, – it, it absolutely is. They are one of the big precursors to grunge. Oh, you can hear it, yeah. I would say that grunge really started like in 89, 90 and then broke in 91, broke Wait, big. never mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, you had – you know, Man in the Box was 90. Right. Um, you had Nirvana's first album was 89, Bleach. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Soundgarden releasing stuff as early as 87. Right. Um, but Jane's Addiction was kind of the first album to hit big. That Nothing Shocking in 88. Yeah. It was like the I would say it was like the first real album of the alternative movement. Mm. I would I would pair that with U2's Joshua Tree mm-hmm. in '87 as kind of like kind of the first albums to signal the that eight, hair metal is yeah. dying, for uh-huh. so lack of a better term. Yeah, to where we're moving into something new. Mm-hmm. Okay. That and yeah, sense. I think absolutely. There's you know. You can see the beginnings of grunge in Jane's Addiction, and then, of course, when you're listening to stuff on Ritual in '90, it's kind of like grunge is really starting to oh, pick up steam oh, by that for sure. point. Oh, sure, yeah. I
1: mean, I, I mentioned it sounds like bubblegum pop artists trying to play grunge when I first heard it. Because, yeah, because of his voice. You know? Uh huh. And so, anyway, you mentioned that there was like personal darkness as far as the lyrics.
0: Oh yeah, Perry Farrell is a is a weird, deranged, messed up dude. Okay and he's a... Is he a druggie? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, all of them were. Okay. And that was the big contention in the band was when um, when Dave Navarro and Eric Avery tried to get sober and Perry and Steven Perkins didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And that caused them to like have this huge fight to where they're just... And then Dave and Eric were just like, we can't stay in the band and if we're going to try and be sober because you're literally going to like use right in front of us just to get us to like go back to doing drugs with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, so they they got out of it just right. to kind of save themselves. And, mm-hmm. and Perry Farrell is a big old flaming douchebag. Right. Well, like he... I can see. When the first album came out, he told the record deal that he wasn't going to record a follow-up unless he got 50% of all the royalties because he sang and wrote all the music.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then... Um, he personally. He personally. So it's it's not being split four ways. Mm-hmm. He's It's 50% for writing, for singing on all the songs, and then he like... Of the other 50%, he got another 25 So you got 75% total. Ugh, wow. And just completely shafted his other. Like everyone else got like 12.5% as opposed to his 75. Good and lord. And that left a bitter taste in their mouths to where it kind of made it easier for them to leave the band. Leave, yeah. And then Eric was still mad and didn't come for the. Mid to late '90s reunion because he was just still pissed off about mm-hmm. everything, and then finally came back because I don't think he's on the Strays album either. Mm. He came back more like mid to late '2000s, and then was on the Great Escape Artist and has been with them, I believe, ever since.
1: So they're touring on um, still. Or, I
0: I think they're on a obviously hi- not
1: now. I so think like. they're
0: on a hiatus right now, but they toured I think like a couple years ago. Okay. They got their first Rock and roll Hall of Fame nomination a couple years ago, but haven't been nominated um, since then, yeah, which they totally need to be in because they they are among the creators of the of the alternative grunge movement. Also, have you ever heard of Wallapalooza?
1: I may yes, I've heard that word
0: before big big time music festival: Yes, Jane's Addiction invented that, huh. They they invented it as their farewell tour off the second album.
1: Oh, goodness! Okay,
0: and like the whole like first, um, the first year of Alpuzo like still had like tons of huge names on it. Hmm. Like I want to say like Nine Inch Nails was on it, and Wow. because they because their album first time came out in eighty nine, so they mm-hmm. were kind of like
1: up and coming, up and coming yeah. at that
0: point. It was just it was a it was created as a platform to promote more, like, underground independent artists. Mm-hmm. You can kind of say it was almost like the beginning of the indie movement. Mm. Where it's, you know, it's these, it's not these radio-friendly bands, per se, mm-hmm. but they're not, like, you know, hardcore heavy metal, or it's more of just, you know, these these heavier, more punk acts yeah. that, you know, aren't getting radio play, and so let's go on Lollapalooza... And it was there. It was one of the first major touring music festivals. You know, this predates OzFest mm-hmm. and Van's warp Tour. Mm-hmm. It was kind of one of the first of its kind. And Jane's Addiction, mo- mostly Perry Farrell, he's the one that came up with it. Hmm. So.
1: Um, I guess we should talk about their sound. Because yes. Because in my listening to these songs, I noticed that they are, well, okay, let me back up. So in my mind, there's two kinds of ways to mix music. You know, mm-hmm. you can either mix for the energy, or you can mix for like the technicality, yeah, the music itself. So like Dream Theater would fall very close to technicality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the band we're gonna talk about next week it falls very close to that. But yes. something like um, Nirvana or like early, no, I'd say like mid '90s Metallica and and stuff like. Mm-hmm. Jane's Addiction would fall really close to energy. And Tool, honestly, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about blending things it, together to create a mood atmosphere. It, yeah, and so I guess what I found was I wasn't very excited to listen to these songs. Because I didn't feel like I could hear everything. I could feel like the energy. I could mm-hmm. feel everything that was like happening, but I couldn't hear. Interesting. I couldn't really understand. And so I, I, I always gauge how much I like the band by how excited I am to... Listen to the songs. I didn't find myself being very excited to, you know, hit play. But once I did, I was, I loved it. Mm-hmm. But I never wanted to hmm. do that. so Interesting. Because, anyway. yeah,
0: whenever I listen to Jane's Addiction, it's more about like, I just like put myself into the music. I'm not like sitting, just listening, going, hmm, what an interesting bass line. Well, I mean, oh,
1: there's that guitar part. Ideally, it should be. You know, right in the middle. You should be able to hear everything and you should be able to feel everything.
0: I don't agree. I think that certain te- recording techniques differ for whatever goal you're trying to accomplish. Um, I think that the goal of Jane's Addiction's music is very much to instill this kind of primal emotion. While at the same time... No, it does, yeah. While at the same time just really going in these weird, adventurous directions. Like, mm-hmm. I find that when I turn it on, I'm less, like, sitting listening to it and more of just, like, you know, moving around, banging my head, and, and like, playing along with it is just more of just, like, kind of, like, getting, letting my emotion just bleed all over the track.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And that's why I love it so much. It's, it's, I always have, like, this great response and release to listening to it. Okay. And I think that that's when we listen, when we talk about these songs, I'm going to talk about how the the songs themselves do such a good job of unlocking that. Uh, And and I
1: hope you do, but the unfortunate reality is that he has such a distinct voice that also every song starts to sound the same if you were listening with, like, untrained ears. Hmm. You know, upon first listen, they kind of blend together. Okay. You know, and... So if some of the songs do blend together when we talk about them, in my mind, that that would be why.
0: Mm. I did
1: listen, you know, 10, 12 times through the whole thing. But yeah. It's still, yeah. Anyway,
0: well, that's I think, a disclaimer. I think that <laughs> that's a good time to go ahead and take a break.
1: So we talk about these songs later.
0: Yes, yes. we will. Uh, when we come back, we're going to look at these songs here, so uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished talking about Jane's Addiction and the addiction of Jane's Addiction that Lucas has. Yeah. And we're ready to talk about our songs that we pick. So what do we mean by that?
0: So if this is your first time listening to us, um, what we're doing here is we're picking six songs that allow us to do a bit of a deeper dive to be able to talk specifically about these traits that we detailed in the previous section. Um, as well as if you've never listened to Jane's Addiction before, this is going to be your best starting point. As well as the songs are going to lead you in the uh, in an emotional um, progression. So it's going to start in one place. They're gonna the songs are going to transition between each other, mm-hmm. and then by the end of it, you should hopefully have a rewarding emotional catharsis. Mm-hmm. I definitely do on this set. This is one of my favorite sets I've ever. Put together. Mm-hmm.
1: It, it's very linear, except for the fifth song, it kind of has its own up and downs. Oh, yeah. The- but overall, it does have a nice catharsis at the end with the with the final song. So. Yeah. But to get there, oh. we have to start with our first song, which is my favorite song. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously, uh-huh. um, it which is Stop off Ritual de Lo Habitual.
0: Yes. And this is the song that starts the album.
1: Okay, good, because it has a really interesting intro you have the announcer in uh-huh. spanish yes so what are what is she saying so she's all?
0: saying that ladies and gentlemen we have more influence over your children than you do but we love them now from los angeles here's jane's addiction
1: oh my goodness okay
0: well and then that's it not just, what i was expecting and at then all. it
1: starts because it sounded like an because
0: i i remember <laughs> i remember hearing it the first time catching um uh, Juanas Addiction and I was just like, that must mean Jane's addiction. Well I mean if
1: if you were to go by proper Spanish, that'd be grammatically incorrect, but I'm sure they did that because Yeah, because it's it's great. It's not Addiction de Juana. It's, yeah. You know,
0: it's or 'cause however you know, cause, you're supposed to pronounce that. Yeah, because it's it's more dramatic if you say it that way. Right. Right. This is also the first Jane's addiction song I ever heard. Well, same here. Yeah,
1: there you <laughs> go. Yeah, this is a band I've never heard before.
0: So this is definitely a song that hooked me the first time mm-hmm. I heard it, but I heard, first heard this song like almost 15 years ago because mm. it was on Guitar Hero 2 there you go and that's I, how i heard it i've discovered a lot of bands and music through those games don't mm-hmm. don't at me Well, you said you
1: mentioned it every episode
0: yeah i mean <laughs> it's a gr- it's an incredible platform to hear music that you may have never heard right. on your own mm-hmm. because you're forced to play the songs you, right. you're not going out and picking what songs you want to play mm-hmm. you're constantly having to play stuff you've never heard before mm-hmm. like i discovered rush for the first time on that mm-hmm. game uh, Dream Theater, Metallica, mm-hmm. a lot of my favorites I owe to that. Muse, so Jane's Addiction is another one. But I always liked that song, but I wasn't ever like a big fan of theirs. Mm-hmm. I never like dug into the rest of their songs. The only other two songs that I had heard because they were on different games was Mountain Song and Been Caught Stealing. Those mm-hmm. are like the only for a, for about fifteen years. Those are the only three Jane's Addiction songs I'd ever heard, and then about two years ago, I finally listened to the albums and discovered the whole other world. But yes, stop. It's a great way to start things off. That, that stop it, and go. That's that that guitar riff <laughs> comes in and yeah, and yeah. And I just think that it's it's a great way to kick things off by having lyrics saying "Here we go." It's right. just like it's kind of like saying. Welcome to the show. Now let's let's right. zoom off.
1: And and within like the first you know ten seconds of actual music, you understand what kind of guitar player you're dealing with. He's pretty funky. You know what kind of vocals you're gonna hear. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of delay on his vocals. He's really energetic and he's way up there. Oh yeah, you know, very um, high voice pitch. Uh, really intense bass. Really active bass line. And then mm. of course the drumming is gonna be. All over the place yeah this well. is
0: this is actually my this song has my favorite drumming of oh, Stephen Perkins yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing I think that he's got some of his most interesting drum beats and this song is really fun to play on the drums too mm-hmm. um, but yeah so we've got we've got this really energetic first section but then we have the big Halftime the breakdown. Kind of breakdown. Yeah. I remember when we were first listening Ooh. to this, it went to that breakdown Ooh. and your eyes got big. I loved that because
1: I wasn't expecting it from a band who sounds like bubblegum pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And I'm like, I don't know. Because his voice shouldn't be able to pull that off. Yeah. But he does it in a way that is so good. And especially when he does those harmonies over that breakdown. Mm-hmm. They're perfect. They're exactly what they need to be. Oh my goodness! This song is just
0: perfect. Yeah, I actually have <laughs> no idea what the lyrics are saying. I
1: have no idea what they're saying either.
0: I feel like this is this is almost like a song where the lyrics don't matter. I don't, I could mm-hmm. be wrong about this. It could just be that there's a meaning that I'm not catching on to. Right. But this is this seems more of a the words are are more serving the purpose of like it's the sound of them. Right. And more, uh, cause again, it's just like, you look at a lot of the words, it's just like, there's, I'm not really getting what the point is. Cause, and it's not one of those things to where that's just their writing style. Cause a lot of their other songs, like you can see what the point is. They're telling a story. They're oh, saying yeah. something very specific. For sure. And so this seems more of just a, you know, let's just have words that are energetic and mm-hmm. just kind of stuff that when you say it, it, Fits right with the music, mm-hmm. and it's more about the 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 melody that the lyrics and the voice is providing.
1: Yeah, one one of my favorite parts of the first part of the song because there's so much in the song is when he like sings "Stop" mm-hmm. and then everybody cuts out for like two seconds or whatever. Yeah, because the vocals are matching the music, mm-hmm. you know, which is
0: you know, there's great interplay between. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh
0: my gosh. And anyway, so then we then it cuts back in, jumps back in after the. It jumps back in and so, it's so right what, back into. So what do you energy. think of Dave Navarro soloing as as is, this is the first solo of the set?
1: I mean, like I said, it, it sounds like it's mixed for energy, and mm-hmm. so it definitely flowed well. You know, there was a good energy flow. Like, oh, this is where the guitar solo is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like he's putting solos in weird places like I do sometimes, um, but. He's not, like, a virtuoso.
0: No. he. You know, he... He, has, he doesn't need to be.
1: He's kind of like, you know, turn on my wah pedal, do some cool stuff. hmm Whatever the crowd... Got whatever Kirk, the song needs. I get needs. Kirk Hammett vibes. Yeah. I didn't want to say that because I keep mentioning Metallica in every episode. But, yeah, I, I do get, like, 90s Kirk Hammett mm-hmm. out of this. Yeah. Totally. Um, but then there's... There's more to this song. Yeah, I oh yeah. You gotta then, get to that a cappella part.
0: Yeah, and it's it can fool you into thinking this is the end of the song. That mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, they're just gonna end low. And uh I love the bass climb on
1: oh, this. yeah.
0: Boom, yeah. Boom, boom, yeah. <laughs> again, just uh Eric uh, Avery, you're the, you're a good guy.
1: And and he's saying like turn off the radio, turn off the TV, mm. just hum along with me. Yeah. While he's Humming, you know, after that line, yeah, and and then they go bam,
0: and then yeah. they just hit you one last little bit,
1: yep, yeah, with 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 a weird kind of delay ending that sounds like a broken record, but.
0: which really transitions really good into the next song.
1: Look at that transition, yeah, because it's it's
0: it's you don't even have a, a gap of silence. It's just
1: yeah, into the song off of.
0: Nothing shocking. Nothing
1: shocking. I couldn't remember the name. it yes. had something to do with electricity and shocking.
0: Uh huh. Um, had a dad. Had a dad. This is uh, this is such an underrated song. This is such a sad song. But but then like the lyrics, the music is good. The music doesn't. I think it matches the um, more of the the anger of it. Yeah. So this is okay. actually not based. Even though Perry Farrell wrote this, this is not based on Perry Farrell's dad. Mm. This is based off of. Either Eric Avery's or Stephen Perkins' dad. More of them telling him about their upbringing, about oh. them not having a dad, and him drawing inspiration from it and writing about it.
1: Okay, I get you now.
0: So um, I don't know if actually what Perry Farrell's upbringing was, but he said it's not about his. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's it's almost kind of like this this song is from the perspective of a kid. It's not a. Uh, it's It's not as
1: if, like, he's an adult now. An reflecting. adult looking
0: back. It's almost like it's fu- from it's the... It's happening right now. Yeah, like, from the perspective of, like, a 12- or 13-year-old kid that's, mm-hmm. like, going through, like, changing from a boy to a man mm-hmm. and just kind of... The way he describes is, I had a dad, big and strong, mm-hmm. yeah. turned around, and I found my daddy gone. Like, that's it's like he's speaking the way a child was. Yeah. But then saying... You know, he's the one who made me what I am today. So it's like he's he's getting older, mm-hmm. um, kind of looking for that father inspiration, mm-hmm. and then just kind of going, but he ain't there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um,
1: mm.
0: And I just, I love, uh, I love that I walked alone, even tried to call, had that funny feeling he's not really there. Mm. And there's just, you can hear, like, the anger yeah. in his voice. You really, he kind of abandons that bubblegum sound to it and kind of has a bit of a... Like, he's my daddy has gone away. That's right.
1: Yeah. yeah, there's there's more anger in his voice as opposed to Stop. Uh-huh. You know, Stop was very carefree and just, like, singing. It's fun. It's, it's just fun pure, song. It's just pure that's, fun. That's why it was my favorite song is because it's just them jamming out. Uh-huh. This song, they're also jamming out, but they're... He does have more anger in his yeah. voice now that you
0: mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's that, that riff it's just oh yeah it's such a metal riff but it's got such a great funky groove to it mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: it, it's i mean once again they're a very jammy band you know yeah. like Aerosmith, where they just get together and jam
0: mm-hmm. and there's just they've they've their song structure is less about like verse choruses and it's just about like you, there's sections that they kind of go through Mm-hmm. That you just, you can tell, okay, we're going to this section now. We're going to go to this section, this section. Mm-hmm. Um, how about that, the the, the Tom breakdown? Ooh. Because I remember when we listened to it first that you were, you were like, oh, yeah, this section's really cool. Uh, I'm
1: thinking, I'm thinking. Because uh, I remember that happening, but I can't my, remember Hey,
0: when have you seen my
1: dad? Oh, yes. My I know what you're talking about yeah. now. Yes. It goes to the Tom. And, and that was, kind of, that's one of the reasons why I like the drumming the best yeah. is because that, you know, we had that with Muse, right? Where, um, whoever the drummer was, uh, he, he did a, he did a Tom pre-chorus thing on one of their songs. Dominic and, Howard. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Dominic Howard was able to do like some Tom pre-choruses I and mean, when you can do like yeah. a Tom pre-chorus, that'll build up really well. I <laughs> love those. And so there was one of those in this song.
0: Um, we've got three different solos in this song too.
1: Right. Well, which weren't really, like, obviously solos, because... I, I felt like I they were. I couldn't count see, three. See, because like, you've count
0: got the one like, right after the first verse, you've got the one after the, um, after that first pre-chorus build, and then you've got the one right after the last verse while he's kind of, like, screaming in the background.
1: Hmm. Okay, see, I, I would only count, like, it's the It's interesting last that two. you have
0: trouble hearing, because, like, whenever I listen to it, yeah, it's muddy, but I... I feel like I hear it pretty clearly.
1: Mm. I don't know. I mean, I am used to, like, stuff mixed like Pantera where everything is clicky. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and so you can hear everything. There's a lot of sibilance. So and there's not a lot with them.
0: So, in other words, you haven't really listened to a lot of older music because that's that's kind well, of... But, uh,
1: but I could hear the doors very clearly.
0: Yeah, I'm not talking about that kind of old music, but just kind of, like, wall of sound because Wall of Sound was a big 50s, 60s, 70s thing.
1: Which we'll get to in a later episode. Oh, yeah. Um, but, no, I, now that you mentioned it, no, I don't listen to a lot of things that's before 1974.
0: Yeah, and as well as, I feel like the stuff you do listen to has a lot of clear mix stuff. A lot,
1: yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be So why. I think
0: I think we're just, we're, we're having a... a a learning experience of kind of listening to stuff that's mixed differently. Yeah, and
1: tra- train my ears to actually listen to things that are not what I'm used to.
0: I think it... Obviously, there's bad ways to have that kind of mix, right. because, you know, there's just sometimes listeners are just like, this is just crap. But, like, there's just an, there's a real art, and I've, and I've learned to really appreciate this. Right. When stuff is l- just less about picking out the parts and it's more of just about everything just smacking you right in the face right the and sound then the engineer more, is part of the band and then yeah. you the more you listen to it the more i'm picking up on Ooh, i never noticed this part before this part's really cool mm-hmm. i understand what's going on here now and it's kind of mm-hmm. like then that that kind of adds to it later on where the first time i'm just going oh my god this just everything's happening and it's incredible right yeah um so yeah Haddad's one of my favorites it's it's a it's a contender for my favorite hmm. Jane's Addiction song. But it's not It's not there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would say this was one of my least favorite songs of the set. Especially because it sounds a lot like the song that we're about to get to. I okay. mean, they, they kind of... They were the big two of this set that melded together
0: in my head. See, much. that's interesting because I do not pair these two together at all. They sound so different to me.
1: They start the same way. I mean, without the... Let's go ahead and get to the next song. Um, I'm unless, really
0: curious to hear this. Unless, I'm, I'm unless you doing... have to,
1: anything to say about How to Dad.
0: No, no. Okay. We, we pretty much got to everything so, there.
1: Been Caught Stealing. Yes. The titles are both past tense phrases. Yeah. They kind of start with the band all in at once, and the vocal melody sounds very much the same at the beginning. And so when I would like
0: play them to myself in my head, they would easily melt together. Okay. And so that But just awesome. to me the, the the sound and the mood and the feel is so different because you've got this swing acoustic drive to it. Because mm-hmm. to me, when I listen to it, the biggest thing I hear is the acoustic guitar, the the bam bam You're talking
1: about Ben Cusculan
0: now. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Where right. where in How to Dad everything is so metallic. It's like a almost like a metal song. And this one is more of like and it's very telling that this was their one, like, big radio hit. Like this is What? Yeah. This oh, was they my they goodness. had they had a big video for this on MTV and this was kind of like and, and Stop was a I see it. Stop I guess was the other hit that they had. But this was like this was kind of like the song that like it came out on the radio and everyone knew who Jane's addiction was. Hmm. Okay. Because this was kind of very much a like a kickoff for the nineties alternative. Yeah, and it's got, it's got the
1: the sound effects, the dog barking sound mm-hmm. effects. So it's got like this is yeah. so
0: nineties, but like but it was nineties right. before the nineties sound had been established.
1: Yeah, and and all three of the songs off this album that we're gonna talk about do have interesting intros. Yes, they do. Um then this is not exempt. So mm-hmm. um but once in this song is a About somebody's upbringing, right?
0: This is no. It it was
1: at least a character in the song. It's Um, I've been caught stealing when I was five.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, but it's they're they're
1: creating. I would
0: I would say that's the only part that takes place in the fast. They're just saying I I've been caught stealing since I was five, and then I've been stealing ever since. I love stealing. Oh, okay. I steal right now. My girlfriend steals too.
1: Right, and then once Mm. you steal, it's mine.
0: Uh huh. I think this is just, it was kind of saying that was the inciting incident. I've been caught stealing, but then I got that rush. Because, uh, okay. you know, what's a five-year-old doing stealing a razor and having right. a girlfriend that's stealing a shirt and stick, stealing a skirt, sticking it up her shirt? Well, but I mean, like, if if it was,
1: like, over the past, you know, however many years he's been. Yeah,
0: alive, The uh, I think the whole, the, the whole point of this song is to kind of capture, like rebellion rock rebellion mm. kind of saying that like rock is just about you know party and girls just like let's 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 like make almost like a satire of like what's something that like no matter what you kind of you have to disapprove of it stealing okay sure let's glorify stealing and really freak people out <laughs>
1: <laughs> That that sounds like slayer would do something like
0: that yeah but of course you know it's not you know worshiping satan or anything yeah, yeah. and killing goats and bathing in their blood. Right. but instead it's just you know it's shoplifting it's it's something that it's like it's it's small enough that you're not going to like you know freak out like you're yeah. going to say yeah uh, mass murder is fun we yeah. can make a fun parody song about that let's let's make it you know but it's stealing it's like yeah you can't dispute that you shouldn't steal but at the same time it's like you totally understand how someone could have so much fun being a shoplifter yeah they totally, mm-hmm. perfectly convey that in the song. Oh, yeah. Like, I sing along with it. I'm just like, I would never steal. But, like, it's fun to, like, pretend that I'm this character. That I'm just yeah. going around just pilfering. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, listening to grunge makes me want to pretend that I'm on
0: heroin. But I would never oh, do yeah. that. Yeah. You know? And so I can understand that. So this song, this is the most fun song on this, in the set for me. To where it's just, like, it's just... It's just fun. It's happy. It's got that that energetic swing to it, more so than stop. Where stop kind of has some heavier elements to it, while it's still yeah, fun. Stop.
1: Stop is really you know go go go.
0: Yeah, it's a bit stop. a bit more pushes you down. <laughs> where this one's a bit more buoyant and fun and bouncy and bouncy. springy. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, I get that. Okay.
0: So yeah. yeah, and then I just I love how it it doesn't end with them getting caught. It ends with them sitting around the pile and laughing <laughs> and I can't wait to steal again. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, man.
0: And, and it's just, again, it's just like, it's, this is Perry Farrell using such, like, simple lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, when I walk out the door, then I walk out through the door, hey, if I get by, then it's mine. Like, it's like, there's not poetry, but at the same time, it's like, it totally fits for the song. It's so simple that it, It conveys that that insanity. It's just like, you kind of sound crazy. Mm -hmm. Talking to just about, in almost childlike terms, how much fun it is to steal from people. Mm -hmm. I think that that's that's the beautiful balance that he strikes. He uses childlike language to convey really serious, heinous things.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he has a kind of childlike voice. Yeah. So it
0: works. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Very insane.
0: what What are your thoughts on this song?
1: Um, I do like when he does, like, you know, when they do those open chords, Mm -hmm. kind of where they, yeah, and so that, that was something that was definitely funky, Mm -hmm. you know, but you could definitely tell, I mean, because there's like a little bit more energy than funk. I'd say funk is more laid back than this. Mm -hmm. You could tell it is alternative rock. I mean, this is like, if, if you're saying this was before alternative rock. This was,
0: this was, this was, this was when (laughs) alternative rock was born.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I mean, having known the history, even if you can't actually trace the influences, I would say that this is mm-hmm. this is alternative rock. Yeah. This and the previous song as well are, are very alternative rock. Yeah. So, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as excited about those two songs as I am about the next song, uh, which um, you should introduce it. You should yes. Let's have is,
0: you talk about it first. This is my favorite Jane's Addiction song. Okay. Um, the Mountain Song. Yeah, it's it's this is tied with Sweet Emotion for my favorite bass intro. Mm-hmm. Whenever whenever I play at my church and I'm like warming up bass, I always play the Mountain Song riff mm-hmm. as like kind of just warming up, just making sure my fingers are good, my sounds good. Can I hear myself? And I just play. it,
1: yep. it sounds like Led Zeppelin.
0: Yeah, it's very bluesy. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I actually came across that riff, like learning how to play it, was I was trying to learn how to play um, Dawn Patrol by Megadeth. Oh, and cause that's I, fun I, to play. Because I was doing that bo-do-do, bo do and I, just, I was working on just that first part, and I was just like, that kind of sounds like the beginning of Mountain Song. And so I just, by my ear, just went boo do 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 and I was like looking for that boo do do And I was just like, oh, yeah, I know how to play that riff. That's like one of the first riffs I learned by ear Mm -hmm. on bass. Mm -hmm. Um, And this song, again, this is one that is just like, when I think about it logically, I can't explain why this is one of my all-time favorite songs. Mm -hmm. This isn't just my favorite Jane's Addiction song. Like, I would put this in my top ten favorite songs of all time.
1: Huh. Okay. Uh,
0: Because I've made a Spotify playlist of of my favorite songs and this is on there and like there's no like complex parts that a lot of times make it into my favorite songs that I like love to dissect or there's just there's something about the energy of this song that just overtakes me every time I it's, listen to it's it it's almost
1: I don't want to say atmospheric, but it definitely, with the name Mountain Song, Mm -hmm. it gives off kind of a different
0: vibe. This song is almost like, it's almost like a, it's almost like a mantra, because the song is mostly them doing the same thing over and over again.
1: It is. Oh, it certainly is.
0: But at the same, but it's like, it kind of like just grows subtly Mm -hmm. throughout until you get to that great guitar solo. And... Perry Farrell's vocals are incredible mm-hmm. on this song. It's so fun to sing along to, especially that very first "Coming down the mountain,"
1: yeah, and, and then mm-hmm. a drop down,
0: uh, down. Oh yeah, that was that was a great way to
1: introduce the the vocals into the song, mm-hmm. and the hook or whatever he's saying, like "Guess you know" or "Cause you cash know. in now." Wow, I not even cash close.
0: in now, honey. Yeah, cash in now.
1: Yeah, that. That actually is like a great chorus or whatever it is. Again, there's not song. really a
0: chorus. It's like yeah, there's like an A section and B. There's of B's... a hook. Yeah, yeah, that I love that hook. The Yep. All right. Yeah, I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm getting pumped You're getting up excited because it's
1: like one of your favorite songs. Yeah. But,
0: um... Again, there's just like I literally can't sit still when I listen to this song. Like my whole body just. Goes into this, mm-hmm.
1: and and you can feel that the energy is going down over the over mm-hmm. time. I mean, we're already over halfway through the set, you know, and you, yeah. can, you can feel where we've been going. And this is a great way to tone things down, but still, it in and of itself is like a pinnacle of like, yeah, wonderful.
0: Mm-hmm. This
1: I would say is probably one that if anybody has one like time to listen to one song, this should be it.
0: Yeah. It's a great song. This is in my opinion this is like this is Jane's addiction all of their great qualities just distilled into a perfect song. Mm-hmm. Like I think that this is this is their crowning achievement. This right. this simple little repetitive song just mm-hmm. oh and the the ooze at the end of the syllable. the ooh, oh, 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 oh yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean even though it's not my favorite song of the set it's it was close. It was really close. Yeah. And,
0: so, and it's like, I don't really know what the lyrics are about. Mm-hmm. It's Coming down the mountain. Yeah. There's <laughs> that weird line of, when I make children, everybody has their own opinion. Oh, man. It's, it's again, I feel like this song is more just about, like, just, like, creating the atmosphere. Right. And this song is less about, like, climbing a mountain as it is. It's like this song is just, like, completely, like, tearing down a mountain. Mm. With the force of its power. Like, I imagine when I, in my mind, I see, like, avalanche. Like, a mountain is crumbling at the weight of this song. Hmm.
1: I I see it as more of, like, I'm on a mountain Mm -hmm. singing this song. Like, when I have made it to the top of the mountain, I'm now coming down the mountain,
0: but, like, triumphantly. Hmm. At least musically, yeah. the feeling. Yeah. That, you know? I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just, that's right. always the thought that I right. had. I was just like, this is the, this is an earth shattering sound. Okay. And
1: there's a little bit of distortion there. It sounds kind of like G and R.
0: Yeah. You know. But definitely at this point, we've been riding this energy high right. for four songs. Mm-hmm.
1: And now it's time for us to finally let it go.
0: Uh, kind of. For though. about three days. For, for about. About three minutes of three days, <laughs> and then we're about to go on this whole other crazy journey.
1: Oh yeah, it. This song will take you on quite the journey. Lucas warned me of that, and it. You know he can say fair warning, but there's there's a lot to this song too. Um, certainly not as tightly packed as "Stop." This is three days off of "Ritual de Lo Habitual." Mm-hmm. It once again has a very interesting intro.
0: Yes, at this moment. You Belong With Us. Yeah. So this song, this is the one song in the set that I like really tried to like dig deep on the research for okay. it because it's, because I feel, I felt like I needed to know what the song was about to fully understand what the journey meant because Perry Farrell did describe this song as he wanted to write his own stairway to heaven, his own free bird, songs that moved in a linear direction that weren't ups and downs verse choruses that like was this epic, just like you know, eight ten minute journey towards a very specific release point, mm-hmm. and I think that they absolutely achieved that. This song is just monumental.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, if
0: I if I didn't have such a visceral visceral primal reaction to Mountain Song, I'd say this was my favorite song of the set.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but this song is a, based upon a real event in his life where. Him, his girlfriend, and a friend of his from out of town after another mutual friend's funeral um, all, like, shacked up together for three days and, like, went out of their minds on drugs and sex and just, like, had, like, this transcendental, like, other-dimensional experience.
1: I can hear that, actually. Yeah. Because the, the lyrics are a little
0: metaphorical. Actually, they're incredibly literal. Once I found out the story and I looked at the lyrics, he's he's talking exactly about what's going on. Three days was the morning. um, Three lovers in three ways, Mm -hmm. um, and then and just kind of talking about the the big theme of the song is them getting their wings and flying away. All of us with the wings. He constantly, in that big build up All of us with the wings!
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: And so he's just saying that that, that's the point of their journey when they start to leave this mortal earth and go into this weird drug-sex-transcendental plane.
1: That's what I'm saying, metaphorical.
0: I mean, yeah, but he's also, (laughs) I guess, for Mm -hmm. the most part, very literally describing what's happening.
1: I I would say I get some... Real mastodon vibes, especially in yeah. early parts of the song, uh-huh. because of the transcendental aspect, mm-hmm. you know. And and everyone listens to Crack the Sky, you know. I mean, or yeah. you should. This is, this, heard is Crack almost, the Sky. this is almost
0: twenty years before Crack the Sky. Uh, that's right, because Mastodon didn't. That's right, their that first was... album didn't come out till like two thousand one. Crack the Sky was two thousand nine. Yeah, and this so. is and this came out in ninety.
1: But I still, me personally,
0: but yeah, you know, it's I heard very mastodon first. So yeah, um. Yeah, so you've got like, then there's really are there is really three sections to the song.
1: Right, so there's definitely that intro. There's three days. That sounds kind of like Metallica because they use the same you know opening as one. Oh, and
0: another another great bass riff. Yes,
1: in in the intro, yeah, 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 and then they'll I love playing they go that, bass riff. that Tom section.
0: Mm-hmm. And so yeah, the I would yeah. say day one is they're kind of. It's got the somber feeling of good because, again, this is coming off of a funeral that a good friend of theirs that affected them deeply. They're doing all this as a way to, like, cope with what's been going on. And so it's just like you hear, like, the the sadness and the mournfulness of the first day. And then you get to the second day and that's when.
1: So the three sections are each day.
0: That's that's it hasn't spelled out, but I can totally see that that's what it is and so that's cool and so that's when it starts to build up as day two and that's when the lyrics also change to where they start getting more uh transcendental in nature talking about the wings and talking about um talking about the family is divided by the lengths we travel just kind of i don't even really know what that means but i'm if i had to take look, I, I bet it's
1: like the is divided by the links we travel to like Mm-hmm. show our affection for other people and so it's like oh this is like a distant family member because they won't like
0: oh that's a that's an interesting they way won't to look spend at time it. with me or something mm-hmm. like that you know whatever
1: link they'll travel to mm-hmm. care for the other person
0: yeah and so then that's when the, the big tar solo comes in is just you know day two is just escalating escalating mm-hmm. uh, incredible solo Really, really, really mm-hmm. great. And mm-hmm. also, the crazy thing about this whole song is that they did it in one take.
1: That's super cool. They
0: rehearsed it a ton. That's But then super when they cool. got to record it, they, like, ran through the whole thing. They also said they can't completely confirm that because they were so drugged up at this point in their <laughs> career that Dave Navarro says that he barely remembers recording this song. <laughs> but that, I want to say Eric Avery, like, insists that, like, they did that all in one take. And then just, you know, did obviously like vocals and some overdubs afterward, but that like the principal track they got in one go. But that uh, Perry and uh, Dave Navarro like spent like days and days like together, like structuring it and him coming up with all the riffs for the different sections and mm-hmm. really planning this out very meticulously. Um, So then you've got the the weird drum break where it's kind of it gets like weird sound effects like Um, after the big guitar solo, yeah, and then when it kicks into that just that pulsing kick, oh, this part to me that's when it transitions to day three, and you've got that incredibly shocking lyric where he just yells "erotic Jesus."
1: Yeah. And he's, yeah. that's... Bum,
0: bum, bum, bum. Oh, uh, that's the
1: best part of the song.
0: Oh, uh, well, I, in my opinion, the best part's right at the end. Oh, okay. So, but that's, this is the part, to me, when I was listening to the song for the first time, where I was just like, okay, this is something special. They're doing something very, very important here. Mm-hmm. Like, this song is going to go way high up on my Jane's Addiction list. Mm-hmm. And they just that they're creating that tension and he's you know, at this point in day three, he he feels like he's transcend, he's transcended to become this this almost this god, this spiritual fear, and he's talking about he's got his Marys with him.
1: Yes. Which is really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And if you've ever it's it's very inappropriate, if you've ever seen the original album art for this album, mm-hmm. that's actually the what that song. It's him and the two girls, depicting Wait. what's going on in three days. Oh, uh, gotcha.
1: Okay, I thought you were talking about nothing shocking. No,
0: not the nothing right. shocking, but the the ritual, the one that has the white one with the the yeah. the First Amendment. That's yeah. there because they told them they couldn't release the album with the original cover, <laughs> and so they said, that's awesome. And that so is they totally reti- rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> um, and but the original artwork is is a scene from three days, probably by day three Mm -hmm. where it's, it looks almost religious, but at the same time it's very vulgar. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but at this point it's just like, it's now he's in this, like, like it's almost like he's losing his mind and getting lost in the, in the craze of it all. Yeah. Like you can, you can feel, and then the music is copying that. Like it's, it's reaching this feverish pace, but then like, you have this weird section where it all cuts out and you have the weird ambient voices going on with the guitar. Mm -hmm. I remember when that came on, I was just like, oh my God, this is brilliant. And then it comes back in Mm -hmm. and he yells out the all with the wings. And then he, when he counts out that big one, two, three, four, and it goes that final riff, that's the point where I feel is the best part of the song. And it gets that last big jam, and he's just like screaming his guts out in the background, and mm-hmm. that final guitar solo. Mm-hmm. You're right;
1: that is a pretty good part.
0: I mean, just the whole song just build. It's like you when that he hits that, bow, bow, and you can just tell. You can tell it's that jangling riff. You can just feel that riff that this is the final movement of the song right here. Mm-hmm. You can just imagine metaphorically with the, what the lyrics that it's like everything is reaching its inevitable conclusion before the big crash, mm-hmm. and then of course that's what it does at the end. It just kind of like it just falls off. Yeah, Which, kind of. But it's just it, like it, it ends very somberly. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it does flow super well. You can tell that they really did plan this. Yeah. You know, um, there's just so much to unpack with this song.
1: Yeah. That maybe a, a good listen, a good reminder yeah, to, go. you guys listen to the songs. Ri-
0: you guys really need to listen to the song, and you need to listen to the song, just listening to it without focusing on anything else, because this song this song does what I want all of our sets to do. Right. It, it takes you on an adventure. Yes. Certainly. Exactly.
1: Um I would get lost in this song when listening to the set. Mm-hmm. And just totally forget like I'm listening to part of a set of songs. Like mm-hmm. this song in and of itself is, you know, and I said that about mountain songs.
0: And so with such a powerful, big, cathartic song, we still have one more song.
1: Right. And so this song I see as like an epilogue, which I'm sure was the idea. Mm -hmm. Um, This is Summertime Rolls.
0: Oh, yeah. Off
1: of uh, Nothing Shocking. Yes, which was the bass line I was thinking of.
0: I love that (laughs) bass line. That's really fun to play, too. And literally the entire song, he never deviates from that line for six minutes. Hmm. It's six minutes? It's a six minute song. I thought song. this song was like four. No, it's oh six minute Oh my Which is, I mean, that means it does its job well. It, it doesn't does, make you feel the time. It, no, it doesn't. I, I,
1: I get lost in this song but too. But this
0: song to me is like, it's just like the, it's like the aftermath you've got the, mm-hmm. the destruction that is wrought upon the previous song. And then it's almost mm-hmm. just like, this is like the calm after the storm. But then like almost, but then it still has like its own big moment at the end, but it's a yeah. different kind of big moment mm-hmm. because it's still like, it sounds like an ending. It's still this dreamy um, drugscape. Like to me, the song is just about like getting high with your girlfriend Mm-hmm. and just, like, completely, like, losing yourself to what's going on around you. Because it's like he's talking about everything that's around him, but he, like, doesn't care. The children are all running over me, screaming tag. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my girlfriend don't wear no shirt. <laughs> we don't wear no
1: clothes, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I love her. I mean, it's so, so... Again, This the child... It's oh
1: so serious, as serious, as serious can, can be. be yeah. Again, it's that
0: childlike language but then talking about you and your girlfriend completely naked doing drugs
1: well it's because he's totally just out of it
0: yeah yeah but yeah. again it's just it's it's going back again to the way that he's able to write those lyrics to talk about something that's adult themed but through the language of a child and I think that's what gives it its extra mm-hmm. potency and mm-hmm. gives it that that little glint of insanity
1: yep yeah. um I guess. Does this song end the album? Because it sounds like an end. No,
0: it's actually the midpoint of the album. Uh on oh, is nothing it like shocking a turning
1: point kind of
0: like cuz it's cuz it's uh cuz this came out on vinyl. This was still the vinyl era. So mm-hmm. this started side 2. And then right after that song what? on the album was Mountain Song.
1: No. Yeah. That doesn't this doesn't sound like an opening.
0: I know, like I think that this song completely fits where it I,
1: fits perfectly where you put as it. as an ending. Oh my gosh, yeah, no, it really does, especially rem- after because
0: I days. remember I was putting this list together and I hadn't really heard this song before. I think I remember hearing it like one time a, a while back, and I had put it in the middle of a set to put before mountain songs. I was like, oh, these are together in the album, mm-hmm. and the first time that I really sat down and listened to it, immediately I went, nope, this is going at the end. This has to be the ending song.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: especially like you get to the the big final chorus where he's just, they're all screaming summer. And it's just like, that's, that's the true catharsis of the whole set. Mm -hmm. But then you have that moment at the very end where it's this last, like little core, little verse. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the perfect way to end it. -hmm. I'm getting chills just thinking about it. No.
1: Yeah. I know what you're talking about. It's, uh, yeah. This is another song of theirs that is written very well. Yes. That it does exactly what it needs to do.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It flows super well. That's like, I don't, I can't think of any other song that sounds like this song. Mm Mm-hmm. And that has the, the, the elements that it has.
1: Right. Man, talking about these songs just make me like them more. Yeah. You know, I already liked them.
0: Well, good. I'm glad that but
1: I'm. I'm already I getting into you, final thoughts. I think we should say that for later. Yeah, but. I'm
0: thinking you're 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 picking up on all the emotions that I have because I'm. This is a set that just makes me emotional every time I listen to it. This is mm. not as much of a a um, musical one as much as it's just this this set just gives me the feels from start to finish.
1: Mm. You know, and and me, I have to focus on like the musical technicality because that's just the way I am. Mm-hmm. You know after listening to like Rush only for like. Which is exactly (laughs) the way I listen
0: this is exactly the way I listened to music when I was nineteen. Right. And I would say it's Queen that changed that for me. There you go. When I I listen to Queen I learned to listen to music from my emotions rather than just my mind. Mm -hmm. When Dream Theater was the be all end all of music because their music is the most musical of anyone's music.
1: (laughs) I don't know if I'm like that, but yeah. That's how I was. Okay.
0: I, I only deemed music as being good if it was complex and technical.
1: Well, and, complex and technical certainly is good if you can pull it off well.
0: Yeah, and I still love that
1: part of music. And and Jane's Addiction is the opposite of that, I would say.
0: Yeah, and I think that me going... Th- I had to kind of go through my musical journey to arrive at the point to where now Jane's Addiction is a band that impacts me on such a deep level. All
1: right. We should probably save the rest for final thoughts. Yes. But...
0: Okay. So, yeah, we'll take a break here. When we come back, we're going to look at our bonus song and talk our final thoughts. So, stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We have been talking about Jane's Addiction. I've been talking about it very passionately. Yes. But it's time to turn our attention to the bonus song. So, Grant, what is a bonus song for those who have never listened to us before? So, a bonus
1: song is a song by an artist who, for whatever reason, we're not going to give them their own episode. Um... But their music is related somehow to the artist that we're talking about every week. And it's also part of, like, our playlist. It's not part of the six-song set, but it's part of our playlist. So definitely, if you want to listen to it, um, look at the link in the description. But um, I guess it's just kind of a bonus. So what is our bonus song?
0: Our bonus is Blister in the Sun by The Violent Femmes. Yes.
1: So... um, this was definitely recognizable for me. Yeah. I, I feel like I've heard it before. This,
0: is a, this was actually a very big song at the time. Are they a one-hit wonder? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, they're a big underground band. The connection is that they were on the um, on the first Lollapalooza. Okay. So I'm, I kind of wanted to make that connection because I was like, oh, I bet there's a lot of great kind of smaller bands mm. in, lo- in that first Lollapalooza. And I was like, oh, Violent Femmes, listen and the Sun. There. Yeah. Uh, this, this actually came out in like the in like the mid eighties though, back when punk was in its weird state of being underground mm-hmm. and not being, cause the, the history of punk was, it was born and got super big in the late seventies. Right. Then like pretty much all of the eighties, it was relegated to the underground scene. And then uh, green day made it big again in the nineties. And it's kind of been in the mainstream ever since, mm-hmm. but this was kind of during the, um, the the weird adolescent period of, of punk music where it was less about writing, like, catchy hit songs and more of just about, like, trying to very honestly and nakedly portray feelings and emotions and intentions, mm. regardless of how weird or immature or um, petty it comes off as. You look at a lot of 80s punk, like underground punk, hardcore punk is when is what started at that point. Um, you look at bands like Black Flag and The Descendants and um, Minor Threat, Fugazi. These were all just like, it was not about being polished or sounding good. It was about like, as crappy as you are, just get together, make, make a band and talk about how you really feel about the world and about your parents and about you know, everything.
1: That sounds like metal.
0: Yeah, but with just, again, with not as much focus on the... Technicality. On the technicality and the... the, I guess the speed was there, but, you know, it was was more about just being unpolished and raw. And so that's kind of where Blister in the Sun comes from, because it's a weird-sounding song.
1: Yeah, this song annoyed me.
0: It's kind of an (laughs) anti-song. But uh... I like this song, again, because you... I've learned just about different ways to listen to songs. You don't listen to the song because you're just like, oh, this is catchy or, oh, it's just, this is more just like, I hear the person that's singing this. This person is a real person that this is like actually what they're like, how they feel. And they don't care how stupid they sound. They're going to let you know what's going on in their life. And so I respect that. And because of that, I listen to, I'm just like, kind of fun it's got this weird little charm to it but that's cool i
1: mean that's great lyrically you know there certainly has to be like great lyrics to a song for someone to totally like love the song Mm -hmm. i'm me with my not lyrical focus i'm included in that but it just
0: i'm not even talking about lyrically i'm just talking about the way he presents himself vocally right
1: but but it just I don't know. I know this is it's this the is... same riff over and over again, and the bridge or whatever the breakdown was was just ugh. And the the hook—you've
0: yeah, never listened to anything like this before. The
1: hook just ugh.
0: This is this is a completely new branch of music for you to look I don't at. I really think it is.
1: I think I have listened to stuff like this before. I just don't like it. Hmm. Well, I mean, it, it's gotten—it here... had to have been on the radio when I was like a kid.
0: No, stuff doesn't. like this. Certainly I, I don't I wouldn't say so because again, this is what you would have heard was would have been like twenty, thirty years after this came out. I know, like
1: Mixed 96, I know, I'm just saying I
0: know what you're talking about and yes, what you're talking about is bad. Okay. this is this is just kind of a and again, this is an important song. This was a pretty big song for them. It was kind of like their their one breakout hit, even mm-hmm. though it was a minor hit. And this was an important punk album that it was on, Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like part of punk's necessary evolution. This is a song that has kind of stood as an important song. And I also just like it. Mm -hmm. So, it counts. It's on the good music playlist.
1: Uh, I think this was the song where I laughed and then turned to you and said, I'm not laughing because I like it. I'm laughing because I don't. Because I did laugh at Big Time because I liked it. Yeah. But anyway.
0: And that's okay. You don't have to like it, but <laughs> I want you to understand why I put it. I, I If you're, if no, you're not just going, that. why are you putting bad music on here? This is bad
1: music. No, I, I I get the connection. I get that it's it's kind of the same musical idea that they were on Lollapalooza or with Lollapalooza as they toured. Mm-hmm. I get that. I just personally, I didn't like it. And that's okay. And that's okay. That's you the whole just, point but you of this still,
0: podcast. But you still have to listen to me talk why we are including it.
1: Yeah. And I gave it a shot. That's the whole point of this podcast.
0: Exactly. So. hope Hopefully you listened to it as many times as you did the Jane's Addiction songs. Yes, I did. So.
1: That's. Well, I put some of the Jane's Addiction songs on repeat, especially
0: Stop, because I liked it so much. Yeah, it's a good song. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about our final thoughts.
1: Okay. Me, I guess, I never heard Jane's Addiction before, I've heard of Jane's Addiction, Um, but obviously my first song to hear was Stop, and so I think my ears just, like, grabbed onto that, because as I, like, delved deeper into, like, the musical nuances of the last three songs, I started to appreciate them more, Uh, but I can see Jane's Addiction becoming another one of those bands where I listen to, like, two or three or four of their songs, you know... The same way I do U2 and Tool now. mm mm-hmm. Um, And not really delving deeper into them. And I think it's going to stay that way for, certainly for a while, once I, like, am able to process all of the James Addiction that I've heard mm-hmm. so far. Before I want to delve deeper into, like, Nothing Shocking and ritual Day, a little bit sure. Rich,
0: Nothing Shocking is where you should start. Okay. That album is just so good.
1: Then, then there you go. and And when I get there, you know, I'll do that. But I don't see myself getting there as much as I see myself getting there with other artists. Okay. Fair enough. But I do appreciate Jane's Addiction music, Jane's Addiction's music, and um, I guess their style, and the way that he, with his unique vocals, is still able to pull off the same kind of energy and insanity as people who don't sing like that. Yeah. And that's something really cool. So that's my final
0: thoughts. Um, Jane's Addiction, I love them. I was really in love with them before I started researching for this podcast. And then I actually did see an uptick even so, as I really was delving into these songs. I would say at this point was when I really fell in love with all of nothing shocking and found some more songs off the second album. I was just like, I've never really listened to the song before. And the song is really great. Mm-hmm. And, um, Again, this is a band that's just like in a lot of – in some ways I can't describe why I like them so much except for how they make me feel when I listen to them, mm-hmm. which is just full of energy mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, release of if I'm having a bad day and I need to get some aggression out I put Jane's Diction on and I just feel it all like mm-hmm. melt away. Right. And then just I love all that bass yeah, I listen to the bass in all those songs so much to where it's just like that's the hook that I keep coming back to I listen to those bass and in- especially the ones that have bass intros
1: mm-hmm.
0: so. and those are those are always the parts of the songs that I'm humming later I'm mm-hmm. always boom, 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 boom. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah James, I'm really glad I finally got to do an episode on them because I was looking forward to it I had the set ready like months ago and I was just waiting for the right week to do it. And I was just like, this is the week, dang it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yep. All right. Well,
0: Well, that was Jane's Addiction. So uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to us. We're going to be back again next week, 9 a.m. Central. We're going to be kind of doing our first, like, smaller band. I guess band that, like, even a band like Jane's Addiction, like, they still were pretty well-known in 90s culture They were a flagship band for a lot of people that were also into Nirvana and and that whole scene. Um, But this band is one that, unless you're in the hardcore heavy metal scene, you're probably not going to know this band. But it's still a band worth talking about. As Mm -hmm. far as the evolution and the story of metal, they're one of the important bands to discuss as far as what metal has looked like the last 20 years. And I really, really love them, and I think we're going to get some great musical discussion out of it. So, oh,
1: yeah. So
0: if you tune in next week and you see a band that you've never heard of, still check it out. Still yep. listen to us talk about it. You may discover something you didn't know before, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the ultimate goal, even with these bigger bands. Yep. And and
1: definitely for previous episodes, too, if there are bands that you've never heard of. Yes. You know, we encourage you to listen to that stuff, too, because it might be a whole genre of music that you didn't even know you liked
0: absolutely i know
1: that sounds really weird but Mm -hmm. you're stuck at home in quarantine you know so might as well might as well
0: um so yeah and then check out our uh, social media pages our instagram page our facebook page we want to get some comments from you guys we're going to start putting those um on the podcast episodes themselves and as well as i forgot to mention all of our links in all of our episodes. I didn't mention it at the beginning with our donations page. Oh, yeah. That you can donate to this channel. Um, that will allow us to continue to grow the podcast, to make this more of our primary focus in life. Mm-hmm. And to be able to make this as good and as great as it can be. Uh, as well as there's a link in every uh, episode to where you can go to our Spotify playlist that has all of the songs that we talk about. So... Go check out both of those and then subscribe, leave a comment, leave us a rating. We would love to be able to hear from you guys and um, we will see you guys next time. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Keep on listening to good music. Stay healthy.